Welcome, Mike, to the BDGE Dynasty Fantasy Football Channel. I am Nicholas. We have Adam and You're Andrew Hank. joining me today, as they will be every Monday and Thursday. Today, we're breaking down Chad Reuter of the NFL.com network, three-round mock draft, and we are converting it based on the landing spots and the players and their positions, etc., into a first-round Dynasty rookie mock draft. We are each doing our own first-round mock draft based off of the picks in Chad Reuter's NFL mock draft. Reuter's. 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 What was the... What was that? There was like a catchphrase back in the day. Roto Rooters. Remember that shit? <laughs> Roto Rooters. Yeah, you, you probably don't. Huh? We've talked about this. You were in high school when I was born, and you were probably graduated college. Dude, when do I was you know? Yeah, do you know sure. the term "no holds bar"? Do I know the term? Yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Good. I was like saying it before. I said it in a video, and I was like, "This is good." Like we're doing a ping pong tournament live on Friday. It's gonna be no holds bar, and Jamo and and Gut looked at me like I had just made up a new language. Yeah, like, I was like no holds bar, like it, it just means like you're about to go fucking buck wild. Yeah, that's what today's episode is. We're going no holds bar, <laughs> no holds bar on your ass with our first round rookie mock draft based off Chad Reuter's mock draft on NFL.com. It's a little crazy. It's a little spicy. You know, we try to steer away from like fantasy people doing mock drafts because they're always like really in favor, unrealistic of offensive players. However. This one kind of still went down that same path. It it's did. fine. We'll do a bunch of these before the NFL draft, a bunch of them after the NFL draft. So you're just getting a little change of pace. You're getting different angles, different perspectives, different draft spots, different landing spots, all that kind of sheesh. So I think what we should start off with before we unveil our mock draft pick by pick is just a quick walkthrough of the mock draft that Chad did in totality. I mean, this mock draft, if, if this was to happen, like if this all of this shifted, this is great for the 24 rookie class in, in fantasy and dynasty. Yep. So Massive. we have the top five picks are all skill players. Caleb Williams at one, Jaden Daniels at two to the commanders. Now the Patriots actually traded Justin for Justin Fields out of the 103, gave it to the Bears. So now the Bears have the one and the three, took Marvin Harrison to pair up with Caleb Williams. You love to see it. Drake May goes to Denver with the four who also traded up. There's yep. some trades going on in this stuff, but we have, you know, we have all the landing spots, yeah. teams, et cetera, on there for you. Sidebar, I would not be a fan of the New England Patriots, Justin Fields experiment. I don't know if I would enjoy that as somebody who just traded for Justin Fields. But uh, I do think that this is ideal for fantasy football because of those top five being the fantasy players. I think there's a pretty there's some pretty good landing spots in here too. Um, but yeah, I think really, and, and tell me if I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but I think really where the most value comes out of this in this mock draft is the running backs because we didn't expect that necessarily to be a strong point of this class. But with the draft capital here, it kind of tells us that that's a strong point in fantasy football. I mean, yeah, you, you could definitely make the case. I think that the quarterback position to me, though, is the biggest winner probably. I mean, you get McCarthy locked into a top 15 draft capital pick, and then Bo Nix almost sneaks into the first round, right? You got Penix going top right in 50. That, like, Will Levis area. Yeah. So, like. Right. I mean, you got five, yeah, five first round receivers. You got two first round tight ends. No running backs, but we did get four sneak into the round two. Into round two. Whereas, yeah. like, in totality, you look at previous years, you're not typically seeing 
four go within the first 60 picks. You might see a first rounder. You might see two first rounders and then like a second, but usually you don't see four off the board. And I honestly, I don't expect it to really go like this. Yeah. So this one, again, I think is a little bit maybe unhinged, but I think it'll be fun for, for fantasy purposes based on this. Agreed. Big time. I, that that Jatavian Sanders pick to the Dolphins at 21 That's is without a doubt the earliest I've seen him go. Wild, man. Well, I mean, I, I love the kid, but, dude, if he got that type of draft capital, I think it would only – do, do wonders for where he goes. and, and He's not going to get a first round with this type of people on the board, but no. he'll, he'll be sneaking earlier in the second Look, round of tight end premium leagues. Yeah. I just I just recorded a video. I can't. I don't know if this one's going to come out before or after, but without playing spoiler, I think this is in the range of outcomes for Sanders if he has a good combine. Yeah. Oh, you mean to be drafted? Yeah, I, I could see yeah. him being drafted this high, but it would, I mean, it would just soar his stock because he's a freak athlete. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's interesting to see where, like, first round tight ends go in the NFL draft because – a lot of the times you're either like that hyped up stud, you know, you got uh, Kyle Pitts four overall, you got Hawkinson went eight overall, like you have the guys that are secured in the top 10 and then you have the guys that are more projects like end of the first round yeah. where those are like Evan Ingrams and David Njoku's who were like athletic and yep. good pass catchers coming out, but needed a little bit of seasoning on top of them. Right. That's where like a Jatavian Sanders could end up being, you know, that guy. Yep. compared to those guys yep. for sure and obviously we get our uh, our chiefs receiver in the first round keon coleman <sighs> just to really spice things up too you know yeah. all right fuck it let's dive let's dive into the mock drafts let's do all it right. i think what we're gonna do i think we're just gonna throw them all out on the board right now right. i think all three of ours will just be on the board present for you guys to see and then based on that we're kind of just gonna pick apart our differences where we see uh, opportunities in the first round, stuff like that. And also, tomorrow's video, for my individual video, I will be taking a step further because Chad's mock draft was actually three rounds. I'm going to complete the second round as well. So I'm going to go from 201 down to 212 based on this mock draft. So make sure you are subscribed to our channel and make sure you're subscribed to both of their individual channels as well. Everything will be linked down below. So clearly, me and Andrew took... Caleb Williams, the correct pick at 101. Clearly. We have an incorrect pick by Adam. Explain yourself. Yeah. The incorrect pick is that um, Jalen Daniels to me – or J, I'm sorry, Jaden Daniels to me is the one. And the reason I take him here is because if you tell me that a guy that has this type of rushing upside is securely a top five pick, it, it's hard for me not to take him one. Now, Caleb Williams is a phenomenal prospect. But for me, when I look at Caleb Williams' chances to get into the elite tier as far as points per game, he's going to have to be – like really hitting that C.J. Stroud trajectory early. Um, that, that's the biggest difference for me. With Jaden Daniels, he has a pretty good core group of, of weapons there with Terry McLaurin and those guys. But if you give him a chance to, you know, this type of secure draft capital, I think a 1,000-yard rushing season's in the range of outcomes for him, and that's automatically top five in yeah, Superflex. Yeah, he's like – he's – I'm not going to say he's a sneaky, awesome rusher because everyone knows, but he's like a sneaky elite yes, rusher. You know right, what I mean? Like I don't right. think people are looking at him – with the upside that, like, even like RG3 back in the day kind of thing where you're like, oh, he is, he's not just a mobile quarterback. He's he's going to win you fantasy games because of his legs. Right. Like, like you can design runs for Jaden Daniels. You 100%. should be. If you yes. draft him at two, you should be. Now, obviously, you don't want to get him hurt. But he's a guy that, you know, you say Lamar, and I'm not trying to act like that's – Lamar and RG3 type, like, rushing, that is in his range of outcomes. We're not saying he's guaranteed to get that, but yeah. that type of rushing talent is what he is. And what I like, too, about Jaden Daniels – in that Washington Commanders fit there is that you have the Cliff Kingsbury hire as the offensive coordinator who worked with Kyler Murray. You like that? I do like that. I, I know thought Cliff, he was fucking terrible. I know Cliff got a lot of 
Flack coming down at his last couple seasons there in Arizona. And I think a lot of that was probably personal stuff between him and Kyler Murray. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not in the building. But I do think we saw him help develop Kyler Murray into a professional quarterback who has been very fantasy football relevant for us. And so with that being said, I don't know if Jaden Daniels, I mean, you guys can give me your opinion on whether you think he's more talented than Kyler Murray was coming out of Oklahoma. I would say probably not. I would say not. Kyler, to me, was like a, was like a, a stud. Ah, that's a dumb way to put it because Jaden Daniels obviously is a stud, a stud too. But sure, but I remember watching Kyler legit in high school and being like, holy fuck. Yeah. And he won Gatorade National Player of the Year. And I was like, Kyler's like a different, different, different breed. You know, where it's yeah. like, Jaden Daniels could develop into a really good quarterback, but I don't get that, like, I don't really get, like, the superstar pull yeah. from him like I do from Kyler. But I could see some scheme similarities between Jaden Daniels and Kyler Murray yeah, and how that sure. would translate in Washington under Kingsbury. Yeah, I, I think, too, just th- to that point, when you saw the, a lot of the design runs that Kingsbury was having for Kyler, that was when Kyler ran for over 800 yards. If you go yep. back and look at his seasons historically – when he was over 800 yards, that was that was when he was in the quarterback like two three range for in sure. startups. Yeah. So if you get basically if you have a guy like Jaden, I'm, I'm Daniels, way less worried about his legs than than yeah. I am like his arm. And I, and here's the thing for me, and, Kyler and, had a cannon. Are you worried sure. about Daniel's arm? No, I mean just the consistency and accuracy. Like, listen, you put like you look at the mock draft and two of his receivers, Malik Neighbors, who dropped to 12, which I don't see a fucking world where that happens in the real <laughs> sure. NFL yeah. draft, right. and then Brian Thomas five picks later. Like you're talking about a guy that had two top receivers. And listen, I don't want to go any further because, like, C.J. Stroud also had, you know, every weapon at his plethora. So I don't want to, like, take it dramatically that far. But those types of receivers will go a long way for you in your passing statistics. So he's got nice touch. I, I think he has a really good arm. But, like, there's always the concern of inconsistency with accuracy. I, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I think for me, I'm looking in Dynasty in more shorter windows now. And so if I'm looking in, like, a two- or three-year window – Jaden Daniels getting that number two overall draft capital, they probably know that there's a little bit of polishing to do with the arm. Yeah. He's going to have the leash to, to really develop into that. It's not like he's a guy that doesn't have rushing upside, and they're going to say if he's not throwing the ball really accurately early, we're going to pull him. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, yeah. it, it, basically, what I'm saying is not that I don't have concerns with his arm, but when he has this type of draft capital, I know that he's going to play long enough where I don't have to worry about that for the next two or three years, realistically. Yeah, and I, I, will, I will say going back to one point, like you, you said, Caleb Williams might have a tough time getting to that elite tier. But, I mean, his his play style is not anywhere too far off from like a Mahomes or Josh Allen, right? They're big body right. guys who can move really, really fucking well. So he doesn't yeah. need to have 80 yards a game, 60 yards a game on the ground because no. he can consistently have 25 to 35 on the ground, and that will right. get him into that Allen-Mahomes range. And in this specific situation, you're giving him Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore as his receiving options, which oh, can yeah. really that, elevate him. That, that's honestly the biggest thing that would prop up a guy like Caleb Williams in my mind is that going in with DJ Moore, right, you have that as the one, and you're wanting to see what the weapons are. You get a guy like Caleb Williams off the rip, Marv and DJ Moore. Everything else there is ancillary now. You get a guy like Cole Komet, whatever comes out of the backfield, that's good. What's kind of crazy about this entire draft, when you look at it, if it played out this way, like we have Caleb Williams going to the Bears at one, Jaden Daniels two of the Commanders, Drake May four to the Broncos, J.J. McCarthy 13 to the Raiders. Yeah. Typically, those top quarterbacks off the board go to just shit situations without receivers, without offensive line. And, you know, there's obviously places you could pick and choose from and be like, ah, it's not good there. I would say all four of these guys are going to places that have, like, at worst, average weapons to throw to. Yeah. McCarthy's going to fucking Devontae Adams and Jacoby. Drake Mays 
eh, I don't like Jerry Judy's whatever, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, just like you know, at least fun weapons yeah. that he could he could actually throw to. Yeah, I and I like Dolchich there in in uh, Denver as well. But I would say with Yikes. JJ, I do like Dolchich. <laughs> uh, but I would say with JJ McCarthy, I'd be a, just a little bit more worried about the weapons because of the age of Devonte Adams, and I don't know how much longer he's gonna be in Las Vegas. I mean, we saw yeah. some of the. Mm-hmm. Uh, unhappiness that he had last year at times. I, I just makes me wonder a little bit of what could be that receiving core long term there in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, I, I like. I think uh, it's fine for either one. I think both the Broncos and the Raiders have some downside with you know Sutton aging. Uh, same thing with Devontae Adams and them maybe moving on. Like these teams yeah. are probably. Th- I guess the interesting part for me is actually that. You you hear though it's not like they're going to this team where it's going to be guaranteed to be terrible for the whole season yeah. right like that's that's yeah. the difference it's like some of these situations normally when you're talking first second third overall pick like this team's destined to be awful like think Joe Burrow in their first year right mm-hmm. this isn't the case for really these teams at all yeah no it's it's kind of interesting landing spots for all of the QBs they're going into enviable spots for a lot of um, for a lot of rookies so we'll move past the top two quarterbacks. We all have Marvin Harrison as our wide receiver one. He goes third overall to the Bears who traded up to grab him, whether it's to the Bears or Arizona or even New England. I think he's going to end up likely being our wide receiver one in any rookie mock draft. Yep. After him, we all have neighbors and then Drake May in one order or another. Uh, I took May as the 104. Just I, I don't really have like a huge – read on whether or not I want May or Neighbors. I just, you know, Drake May, quarterback, super flex. I went May over Neighbors as well, and it's the same reason. Just positional value of the quarterback and a super flex just slightly gives him the edge. I think they're both going to be good players, but uh, the quarterback just gives it a slight edge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get. I definitely can see, like, quarterback and super flex give that the slight edge. To me, it's – I would still prefer that May gets better weapons or we see how that can happen. I think a guy like Neighbors going to the Cardinals, for me it's where it's a little tiebreaker, is that he's got Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray really needs a weapon. Yeah. And if Malik Neighbors is the dude we think he is, Kyler's going to find him. And yeah. I, I, could see in, I could see in the first year, like a lot of times for rookies, we get really excited. Okay, this rookie's we're, – we're excited all year. But then when it comes to points per game and what they're doing, they're not really giving you that off the rip. Like I could see Malik Neighbors being a top 20 finisher this if, season. If Neighbors goes Arizona. to Arizona, right? Yeah, if he goes to Arizona in the first round – uh, like 135, 140 targets. That's what I'm saying. I almost right. like pencil that in. Off, yeah. and, and he's going to be really good. With and a guy like that off the rip yeah. has a chance to be going where Garrett Wilson is right now. Yeah. Do you guys? Yeah. Uh, you guys all have you have neighbors as your two, right? Like right. in general without landing two. spots. Yes. Okay, me too. Yeah. yeah. One one Harrison, two neighbors definitely. And, I was I was hoping that one of y'all put Rome over neighbors just to argue about no, it. No, I don't. But yeah. uh, I do think that this landing spot. I do agree with you. I think the Kyler Murray. Pairing does kind of give him a elite ceiling, at least eventually in his career. I think this would be a p- place where he could potentially give you some top 12 seasons or a top 12 season eventually with Kyler Murray here. It would not surprise me. Uh, based on these landing spots, like if Malik, I'm, I'm so in on, on neighbors just as like a prospect. I feel like if you get neighbors at the 105, 106, whatever in your rookie drafts, I, I have a hard time believing that he's not like a top 15 startup pick next year at, at, at worst. Is this Arizona landing spot – one of the best landing spots for first round wide receivers for to sure. you, yeah. Is it the best? I was I was gonna say what makes it what's it what makes it not at least arguable for the best? Like that's what I'm saying. I yeah. think it could be. I'm looking at the other teams that might take a wide receiver, and it's like <laughs> Saints, no Jags, the, no. The only one you could argue is like we're here, where okay, now all of a sudden Harrison's playing with a guy like Caleb. The the only way you could argue it is if the other 
if the receiver has a quarterback that's yeah. at least as good, if not better, than Kyler Murray. Do you yeah. think the Chargers are – I know they take Brock Bowers in this one. Do you think they're in the range of outcomes Cer- for wide receivers? Certainly. For sure. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Like, if neighbors went to the Chargers, I mean, same type of thing. You feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now we move past Drake May and neighbors, and this is where things get – what do you guys think about this Rome, man? Let's just get let's just cut to the chase here. First of all, I think this is where <laughs> guys like C- Chris Olave, like people could start panicking all of a sudden now. I don't mm. know if it's necessary or not, but Ooh, okay. they draft a guy like him, and now you have Chris Olave and Romo Dunze at the same situation. Yeah, with Derek Carr fucking exactly him. without a quarterback security, right? Mm. Would this make you panic more for the Olave or the Rome side? Which one are you saying? Well, what Either? I'm saying is it could probably give panic just perception-wise for both of them, yeah, you know? And Chris Olave yeah. is being drafted really high in startups right now. Yeah, I agree. And People I, I will react strongly and be like, oh, no, it's bad for Roman. And then two days later, be like, no, I love exactly. this for yeah. That's how it always and happens. And I think my immediate gut reaction would be, I, of the two guys, I think I would prefer Olave. But um, I do think you get that question mark with the Derek Carr, like you said, at quarterback. It can get... It could get dicey pretty quick. Olave's stock would drop quick, I think, because mm-hmm. because... I think, like, going into this previous year, people's hopes were so high for him. Right. People thought he was going to take that step up to be an elite receiver, you know, end up being a guy who's now drafted as, like, a top-five startup guy. Didn't get there. So I think people will be like, oh, he doesn't really have that in his game. And now you add in Rome to it. So I think Olave could be a really good buy if this happens. Yeah. I agree. Well, and, and that's where, like, I think it'd be interesting because – Alavi right now is a lot of projection based on targets, and then we hope that the quarterback play gets better. Th- yeah. This basically doesn't solve the quarterback play, but makes people fearful of are the targets going to continue at this crazy high rate. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I was going to get into because I was going to say I feel like a lot of Alave's value came from the volume that he was receiving, and this does put a question mark on that. But I want to ask, too, because we kind of all would agree that those guys, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison, that's – that's the top three. For and sure. there's a tier break after that? I think there's a massive For me, there okay, is, definitely. So is there any situation where if there's a bad landing spot or a good landing spot for, like, a Brian Thomas and a Romo Dunze, could anybody jump into that top three, or is the top three solidified for you right now? I Yeah, I'm not going to do that, personally. I, I think landing spots we could get into. I mean, he, here's a good chance to do it. Like, landing spots for me can be a tiebreaker needle mover, but they should not be more than that. When you see if you jump the landing spot, typically in Dynasty, too much, you get the Sky Moore effect. You get the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire effect. You can chase things just off the landing spot. I don't like that. And typically, if guys are falling too far because we don't love their landing spot, I like to pick up that value. So, like, I'd just be careful with moving the needle too much on landing spot. And to that point, no, I'm not going to put – there's nothing that can happen outside of – you know, Brian Thomas maybe being the top 10 draft pick and Rome really falls down or something like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah draft capital could speak a little bit, but that's different than landing spot. Correct. You know what I mean, correct. so it's like that, that would be something I would think twice about maybe, but like even that, I'm so solidified in uh, Harrison Neighbors and Adunze as my top three in terms of like just a pure talent prospect standpoint right. that like those non needle moving things are not going to be the thing that makes them jump over yep. there. That's, I'm with you. That's exactly where I'm at too. And that's why I wanted to ask because I, I could see a situation where maybe like, Rome, you know, goes in that 14 to 20 range that we've seen. And then maybe what if, like, Brian Thomas, who I think a lot of people would have as the wide receiver four in this class. He's shaping he up as consensus wide receiver four, which I don't I don't know that I agree with. I think he's in the tier there, yeah. but, like, sure. Yeah, I, but I, I like, like his game. I, and I'll say this, too. This landing spot here, it's pretty damn good. You get to go play with T-Law, who needs, uh, you know, another weapon. Yeah. I mean, you got – Ridley's getting older. I think this would be a good landing spot for him. And I'm not saying it's the best out Ridley's there, but it's a, a good one. Ridley's a free agent, too. So right. he, Ridley free agent. He Kirk's, 
has the major injuries coming back yeah. from. So there's definitely it's definitely more than meets the eye with that landing spot yeah. for sure. But mm-hmm. what I was what I was getting to is I could see a situation where and the reason why I asked that first question about could anybody find their way in the top three is like if Brian Thomas, who a lot of people think is the wide receiver four in this class right now, if he landed where like Keon Coleman landed in Kansas City, could people get really crazy and start taking him over for Rome? Sure. I think that's a chance that could happen. So what I think will happen I, I think the landing spots are gonna change the four through eight people. Yeah. I don't think it's going to change one, two, three. I think people are yeah. going to be so stuck in the one, two, three, which I will be the same way to the point where like Brian Thomas could fall down to like the wide receiver seven. Correct. And the seven can jump up to three or four yeah. based on, you know, the landing spots there. And uh, the one thing again with uh, Rome going to the saints, look at the receivers here. One of the things in the first round that you got to love is you got Harrison uh, neighbors Brian Thomas and Keon Coleman all getting to the point where you're like, man, the quarterback that they're receiving the ball from, pretty awesome. Yeah. And Roma Dunze, you just have no certainty whatsoever. Yeah. So that's the other thing for Rome in this uh, in this particular mock. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right, this is where it gets fun. Me and Adam got JJ. Number 13 pick in the draft goes to the Raiders. They clearly need a quarterback upgrade. Jimmy G is out of there. Aiden O'Connell is Aiden O'Connell. You took Brock Bowers. Now, we're talking in tight end premium. I think we'll probably always talk it at the basis as tight end premium on this channel. Yep. Uh, Brock goes all the way at pick number five to the Chargers. So, you're talking about elite draft capital. You're talking about a landing spot with Justin Herbert there. So, that makes sense to me. With J.J. McCarthy, I mean, you got him going all the way down at nine. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a good yep. – I just think it's a good class overall. I mean, when I look at some of the talents that I put over him – Romo Dunze, Brock Bowers, like I don't really think a lot of people would be mad about that. Now the one is Brian Thomas Jr. I think I like the landing spot I was accounting for. You know, them using a first-round pick on it is probably a move-on from Calvin Ridley. That's what I would assume here. That's why I took him there. Uh, And I think that pairing with T-Law does give him some pretty good upside in Dynasty Fantasy Football. So that's really the reason why I did it. Uh, I just think the class overall, though, is so good that, unfortunately, I think another – Years, J.J. McCarthy would be higher for me, but just because of the talent in this class, he falls down a little Do you, bit further. Oh, so you don't dislike McCarthy? I don't dislike McCarthy. Okay. I think of of these quarterback landing spots, uh, I do think that McCarthy's is a little bit worse than the others. I, I just didn't like it as much, um, and I don't know if McCarthy has put as much on tape as some of the other, other guys like Daniels, Williams, May. So no, he gets bumped sure. down a little bit more for me. But, again, it's not anything about hating J.J. McCarthy. It's just I like all these other players so much that I want. Unfortunately, J.J. is the one who gets bumped down because of that. I'm yeah. interested to see the narrative around McCarthy this offseason because at first it was like, you know, the, the championship's over, and everyone's like, oh, McCarthy's not like a serious NFL top first-half prospect, right, because they don't ask him to do much. Right and now, you're hearing like the Daniel Jeremiah's come out. All these guys that are like NFL He's teams He's love dude. this dude. Yeah, and now I think the I think the mindset in Dynasty will shift to like, no, I love JJ McCarthy. He's like, no, you yeah. no, you probably really don't. But I also think it speaks more to. If he's going that high, like you take a guy like that in a super flex draft. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking back at uh, I I went back to all the NFL drafts since 2000, and here are all the QBs drafted from pick 10 to 16. It's a mishmash, right? We got Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Josh Rosen, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, EJ Manuel, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Matt Liner, Jay Cutler, Big Ben. So it's a relatively short list for, you know, 23 years. But you have massive hits in Mahomes, Watson, Big Ben. You have intermediates still to be determined in, like, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Jay Cutler is a good player. Then you have a ton of busts with all the other shitty players I named. So it's like 
that draft capital is enough for me to be like, okay, NFL GMs fucking hit. They miss. They're terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. We're terrible at it. We're good at it. You know what I mean? It's like all over the place to the point where a team is committing that draft capital. He's their quarterback of the future. Yeah. So I, in a super flex league, I'm in. I will say if McCarthy went two picks earlier, pick 11 to Minnesota, I think I would be a lot higher on him. And not just because I'm the Minnesota Vikings fan of the group, but I think throwing to Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, like having fair, that with fair. Kevin O'Connell as a coach, dude, I think people would lose it for JJ McCarthy. And honestly, I feel like that might be his best NFL landing spot yeah. possible is Minnesota. I mean, yeah, it'd be hard for anyone, any quarterback, not to feel great throwing to those guys. I'm right. with you there. Now he's, he's also like super, uh, not super, but he's he's athletic. Like he yeah. can move. He, yeah, he, can he is. I I think McCarthy. Like to your point, McCarthy's a tough eval. I, seeing what he did at Michigan doesn't really like bring a lot of excitement. But if the NFL and teams are saying they're this in, and he goes top fifteen. You just – I think with the scarcity at Superflex when I'm getting to this point in the draft where I don't feel like anybody's a rock star guaranteed I can't miss on this player, Yeah, I, I feel like I can move a guy like McCarthy in leagues. So, for me, that's the tiebreaker where I put him at the 106. Yeah. I just think that he can move for a lot more, and I, I like I'm going to value that. hurt a little bit. It hurt for sure, but, like, based on capital, based on landing spots and everything, it just felt like – Yep. Felt like it was what needed to be done there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brock Bowers – yeah. Rock Bowers up at six. You and I both have him Eight. at the 108. Yep. So, listen, like, I, we're just, like you said, uh, you weren't born yet by the time we were in high school, but we <laughs> we are old enough to remember Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. three, year, three yeah. four years ago. So am I. Speak to him. You are. Okay. Just a little bit. I was in middle school. There you yeah. go. So, so you remember the hype. You remember the generational. Yeah. And, and what's funny about that is, like, it fades away, and people are like, no, no, no. No, Brock is generational. And I'm like, no, no, no. This was the same discourse with Kyle Pitts. This was the same discourse uh, every fucking year. We do it all the time. And when you look at, again, you know, the fantasy tight end landscape this year, of the top 10 fantasy tight ends, three of them were first rounders. Only yep. three. 30% yep. of them were first rounders. The rest of them were second, third, fifth rounders, or whatever. It was Njoku. It was Ingram. And it was Hawkinson. So you have one guy that's top 10. You have two of them were in the 20s. Right. So you're not like draft capital, great for tight ends, cool. I wouldn't say it's really the most predictive thing when it comes to, like, being a great prospect. Brock Bowers, definitely in another class of his own. I just question whether or not, like, it, it's a flatline, linear thing of, like, great prospect, tight end, good, going to be great at the next level. It just yeah. very rarely works out like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm, I have him highest in my mock. Um, took him at the 106. But I think having that elite tight end does give you an advantage over your league mates, especially in those tight end premium leagues. So getting the shot at finding that elite tight end and a guy like Brock Bowers, I think it just, that's why I was a little bit higher and why I took him over like a Romo Dunze. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because if you can find that tight end advantage, it's going to set you up for success in your dynasty leagues. Yeah, it it can. I think for me, it's more so if I'm going to be weak somewhere, it's tight end. So just generally speaking and positionally, I value tight end the least. I also know that Brock probably... I'm almost kind of saying by putting him at my 108 here, I'm going to end up being out on what his cost is really yeah. going to be. He's probably not going to make it to 108 to the point he was making about Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, before the Porta this year, uh, broke the record. Like, he had the best rookie season we had seen in forever, but he didn't continue to follow that up. Brock Bowers isn't necessarily guaranteed to have that production out of the gate, and I don't know that I can trade Brock Bowers, depending on what the tight end premium in my league is, yeah. for as much as I can McCarthy. So yeah. a lot of that's just me projecting. I could be totally wrong there, but – 
I, I don't typically find that when I have a tight end like Brock Bowers that I can really get like crazy hauls back, yeah, whereas I can fair. with a tight ends are like one, a position that's tough to move just yeah. in general. Yes. It is. People it don't is. like to like base a trade around a tight end. Yeah, I feel like just people don't necessarily like tight end in general. So like even that is just like a narrative in itself. But I do think the way that I like to play the tight end position in my tight end premium leagues is. I want to find that elite tight end, but if I don't have it, I'm with you where it's like I'd rather punt it. I don't want to play in that middle ground. I'd rather yes. take a couple uh, mid-round shots. Like if you could go and get – like last year in startups, like I was able to grab like some Cole Komets, Pat Fryermuse, like mm-hmm. later in drafts, and then you get a couple of those guys and just hope one of them becomes that next guy. Yeah. That's what I tend to like to do. Right. But I think this one, I'm – Taking the shot on Brock being the elite guy—that's kind of why I have him. I mean, to be, to be like, if I was going to argue the for Brock narrative, it's right now we're coming off of seeing Kincaid start to do well, Laporta do as well as he did. So the fact that we have some rookie tight ends last year that are playing well uh, might make Brock Bowers cost more inflated. And the one one other piece of it would be Keenan Allen aging. Yeah, Mike Williams, cap casualty possibly, and now you got a lot of opportunity where maybe they need to lean on Brock Bowers as the number one receiving option or at least the number two receiving option for Justin Herbert could could be pretty valuable, especially in that for time sure. premium. On, on paper, it makes a thousand percent sense. Like anyone who's watched Brock Bowers play, like incredible with the ball in his hands. Yep. Like they, uh, they ran their offense through him. I, th- I think like 40% of his targets this year were on screen plays, yeah. which is crazy to believe, but so good with the ball in his hands. Like just a bona fide playmaker. It just so rarely ever, like, literally works out for the tight end position. It drives me fucking nuts, which is I, – I, I, I like the same strategy of, like, you're in a startup, go grab – like, last year in a startup, it was, like, Ingram, uh, Njoku, likely. Those are, like, three of my picks in rounds, like, eight through fucking 14 or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? And I like yeah. playing them at flex, too, sometimes. So I don't yeah. mind, like, stacking them up. I agree. That I – honestly, I was buying a couple of tight ends last year, and I fell into some Trey McBrides and some Sam Laporta's, and then – that obviously became I a mean, very, very that's good team. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I got it because I had Mark Andrews. I took the shot on the elite tight end, and yeah. then I punted everything else and just took, like, Sam Laporte in the third round of a rookie mock or of a rookie draft. And then I got Trey McBride on the low, like, a late second round pick in a trade, and it ended up now I don't need all these tight ends. I need to try and move one. I yeah. mean, if you look to a cost, like Njoku and Ingram, right, to your point, drafting later, in the me- most meaningful weeks, they were the, like, best tight ends in the game. And you drafted them, like, significantly later. So I typically like to go that route when yep. I'm filling that position. So we went Rome, Brock, and we got a little bit of a pivot. I went Keon Coleman at the 109 because he went 25th overall, first-round draft capital to the Kansas City KC. Chiefs. You went Brian Thomas, 17th overall to the Jaguars. Yep. This is where you took McCarthy. Yep. Then you both took Keenan, uh, Keon Coleman out of Florida State. So uh, a lot of kind of the same here for the yeah. most part. I think the the commons are – this is kind of where we're going with Brian Thomas, Keon Coleman, that next tier of wide receiver. I was about to say well, – yeah, let, let's just actually stop there for a sec. I think after – I mean, I guess maybe not because you have McCarthy under Brian Thomas. But based on this draft, the way I looked at it was like there was a massive tier break. Assuming J.J. McCarthy goes as a top 15, top 10 pick, whatever. Correct. In my eyes, realistically, that's how – the first eight picks in a rookie draft are pretty much going to play out. I'm I think with, there's I'm, a huge tier break. Afterwards. I'm with you. It kind of look. It kind of feels like there's a, like I'd almost say it's a 105 tier break and then a 108 tier break, but then the 109 down definitely feels like there's a value loss, like mm-hmm. in perception of how people are going to feel about players from the 109 down. I will say yeah. though, based on this 
compared to like last year. Like if you got stuck in like the 109 to 112 range last year, felt like you were literally drafting a player that you didn't want on your fucking team, where I feel like the class this year is really talented. I mean, just look how many fucking first-round offensive players we have. Well, and I think, players. I think, too, to the point, like 23 as a whole, that class, a lot of what was making it uh, – valuable or we were hoping for was all those running back positions yeah. this year there's it's littered with receivers right and you got four 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 and uh quarterbacks in the first round that like that makes it just crazy value yeah and i i even think like because we're looking at our top 12 obviously like there's guys that i was debating i think there's three or four more guys that aren't on my top 12 list that you could debate as for sure first round picks yeah definitely because <clears throat> i mean we have another Fucking six, five, six skill players going in the first ten picks of the yeah. of the second round. Yeah, yeah. Ad- Adnan Mitchell, you get to throw him in there with Terry oh. and. Uh, she, uh, I love Ad Mitchell. Yeah. She, uh, Brett Coleman's tweet today. He's been put. Pu- I did up not. Like, no, I've been traveling, man. I d- what so, did I miss? So basically, he just like uh, he'll put up like a picture of a prospect, and then he'll put up a picture of like the player comp that he thinks it is. So he'll put up like you know two players, whatever, and he'll just be like IMO, like in my opinion. Who is so it? for Ad Mitchell's, he put CD Lamb. I, how did I know Lord. you were going to say that? I've seen somebody uh, compare him to CeeDee Lamb before, too. and I, Which is insane. It's crazy. But, but I love a- – A.D. Mitchell, I told you this before. He's my wide receiver four in this class right now. Yeah. I, I recently did a mock draft on my channel where A.D. went to the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round. I've seen that a few times. ridiculous. Well, like, I think we yeah. could be talking about A.D. Mitchell as, like, 106 range if he's going to Kansas City in the first. I, I mean, I know it's not on, on the board here, the 201, but – like if I had the one on one and I had my, I'd be definitely drafting the stack of Adam Mitchell to go with my Jaden Daniels yeah, for sure. For sure, he would have been yeah. my two hundred one in this in this draft yeah. class. But nonetheless, we have to get down to the one eleven. We got to get down to the one twelve. Andrew, you and I took Bo Nix, who went thirty third overall, which is the first pick of the second round to your Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. How, how you liking that, man? I wouldn't like it as a fan, um, but we talked about the landing spot being very quarterback friendly. You know, I think at that point, again, taking that kind of what we talked about with Drake May, that positional value at the quarterback position in super flex leagues, it may not be as talented of a player as I think some of the other guys are ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But again, you get those those weapons. It's just I'll take a back end first and take the shot on that guy. Yep. Let me uh, let me let me hit you with some some second round quarterback data. I mean, with some hit rates over the last 10 years. So I don't have hit rates per se, but we're going to play a little bit of a game. Over the last 10 years, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine second-round quarterbacks over the last 10 years. Okay. Okay? So, Will Levis was the most previous one. Mm -hmm. When you you draft a player in the second round, I think most teams draft them with the assumption that, like, they're going to get on the field probably for you, right? Yeah. And most of these QBs, if if you're a second-round quarterback, people kind of like, okay, I'll draft them, throw them away, like, hopefully they get back into my lineup at some point. The NFL team's likely going to start that player at some point. As soon as a quarterback steps on the field as a starter, their value value bumps up incredibly, right? So there are obviously a couple whiffs. And I went back through keep trade cut to see, like, what the peak values were of all these players. So the three obvious whiffs, Kyle Trask, who was the last pick of the second round, so almost a third-round pick. You have Deshaun Kaiser, who uh, they don't have data on keep trade cut for that. And you have Christian Hackenberg, don't have data going back that far. But – you have Will Levis last year. His highest positional value at the quarterback position in fantasy dynasty was is it as soon as he got the start. After he got a start, he th- th- three touchdowns. The D hop. I'm going to say like 18. 
of where I think he would be positionally. What do you think? No, no, no. What do you think At the highest value you ever had on where do you think keep, Where yeah, do you like think his highest keep trade cut quarterback spot was? Yeah, yeah, positional. I would say – They keep record of it, yeah. 21. Okay, he got up to 15. Yeah, I was going to say hell. 20 is low. Jalen Hurts. The next second round quarterback. Well, yeah, got up one? to QB one at yeah. one point. Drew Locke, second round quarterback. What, he actually had that really good finish. Uh, people were say? kind of excited. 11? That seems high. I'm gonna go 15. 12. Dude, I I fell for the Drew Locke hype pretty hard. I remember I really that. Like this Drew is Locke. what happens. Dude. Yeah. The other okay, so you had Kaiser, <laughs> Trask, and Christian Hackenberg. Okay. The other second round QBs: Will Levis, value quarterback 15. Jalen Hurts, QB one. Drew Locke, QB 12. Derek Carr. Second-round quarterback that was now a starter for eight fucking ten years, Jimmy G, Geno Smith. All those guys' peaks value, as soon as they get on the field, they're so worth the second-round draft capital. Was, well, was Henning Hooker not a second-round? Third. Third-round guy? Third. Yeah, now, third but round. actually, to the point you just made, though, a lot of what I like to just think about in general is what is what can I trade this player for at some point? That's that's the point I'm making. And, and to the point, that obviously is that. But then not even that. Add all of that. Give me the best weapons that any of those guys has. You could argue it's maybe Nuke for Levis. None of them are Jefferson, Addison, <laughs> and whatever the Vikings have right now. Uh, injured like, or not with Hawk. I, I like th- how you that, leave them off the list. Yeah. <laughs> what, who? You, you just hate Hawkinson. Man. Oh, no, I, 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 like, I do that for you, my friend. I know, you know? I know. Um, no, I just think that, I think that you bake that into it and basically say as soon as Bo Nix steps on the field, you're going to have this type of weapons around him. I mean, that's what I'm whether you want to keep him or not is up to you, but that's a huge value bump waiting to happen. he might right away, but as soon as he steps foot on the field, and if you're picking a player 33rd overall, like your plan is for him to start at some point or another over the next two years. Yep. As soon as it does, if that first game is good, he gets the Will Levis treatment. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. eventually it usually plays itself out because those guys get on the field and super flex value goes crazy. Like, those names in the second round are Crazy good values if you if you got them. And the older heads, like, it, it's a little harder to get them at good value nowadays because people are so in tune with, like, dynasty uh, mock drafts and dynasty values and shit like that. But back in the day, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, Geno Smith, they were probably, like, fucking third-round picks yeah. in their in their rookie drafts. You know what I mean? So I think second-round quarterbacks, sec- real-life NFL drafts, second-round quarterbacks are really good investments in rookie rookie drafts. Yeah, especially, like, like – um Bo Nix is – he's damn near a first-round pick at this point, right? He's yeah. the first pick off the board in the second. To your point, like the one uh, Kyle Trask fits super, super late maybe. But if you're talking a top 50 pick, um, there's probably some value coming to that person as soon as they step on the field. Yeah, and it's very I, unlikely they don't step on the field. Yep, and I, I think the same goes for Michael Penix, who you had at the 112. Yeah. He didn't slide into mine. He was my – 202, I believe, right after A.D. Mitchell. I'm going in the second round of it. But same thing goes, you know? Like, yeah. and that was, pick. That was kind of the same thought process is quarterback, positional value, getting a guy like that at the back end of the first. Uh, and, you know, not as good as Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, but you have JSN, yeah, DK Metcalf, Metcalf sure. and Tyler Lockett. It's a pretty good receiving core. So, right. um, same idea. Uh, just another player, another name. Yes, sir. Um, one twelve. Oh, so you got you got eighty Mitchell all the way up at one eleven. Yeah, one eleven. Yep. Good shit. Yeah. Troy I Franklin. I do think I would end up just after this conversation. I definitely would change mine to where Bo Nix would be, um, like probably one eleven here, mm-hmm. and then I would I would end up dropping Troy Franklin out. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Feels personal. Straight. No, I'm just. <laughs> it doesn't feel personal. I like Troy Franklin, but he didn't even make my top twelve. There you go. So he did drop to sixty two overall. I, I get yeah, it. I, I get it. I, and I like I like him going to the Ravens, but yeah, again, this is a guy outside the top fifty versus a quarterback that has great weapons that's gonna hit the field. So yeah. to that point, 
is uh, well done, my friend. So I win the award for having the only running back in any of our drafts. Jonathan Brooks out of Texas is he's my RB one in the class. Now he did tear his ACL in November, yep. so he's got a little bit of a rehab. Modern day medicine. He'll get back on the field. I admittedly don't know if he'll be 100% for year one. In this draft, he goes to the New York Giants, 39th overall. So you're talking about early second round cap. Jonathan Brooks is 20 years old, bro. Yeah. He's young as shit. So I'm not concerned about the ACL. He'll be fully fixed by 21 years old. You also think about the landing spot, Saquon. Quad's probably gone. Th- th- I doubt they put a top 40 pick into a running one, back. If one year, if, yeah. if that, maybe they keep Saquon just because Jonathan Brooks is coming. I mean, that would be an insane like yeah. business decision to make. Right. But you get the point. Like, even if he's there for one more year, which I think would be the tops that Saquon will be with the, with the Giants, then it becomes uh, Brooks's team afterwards. And Brooks is like an all-around, like, elusive player. He can catch the ball. He's explosive enough. Uh, also the highest graded pass blocking running back amongst the class that I've uh, charted so far too. I would say going along to your point and maybe a more likely would be, you know, there's free agents like Devin Singletary who had a decent year with Houston. Like you bring yeah. him in and pair him with Jonathan Brooks while he kind of gets healthy. Yep. I think that could be a likely scenario. 100. But I, I do want to ask both of you guys, obviously you're high on uh, Jonathan Brooks, but if he is not fully healthy year one, you say he's recovering from this. Do you think that worries you a little bit for his career outlook? Because I would say that these days it feels almost like running backs are needed to come in and produce right away. And if you don't, it's almost Momentum's like we're looking for the next guy. Momentum real, for sure. Yeah, yep, for sure. Um, I mean, like, assuming he gets top 40 draft capital, that would say to me that the medical's checked out. Okay. And they're not, they're not uh, worried about it. That's, yep. that's probably true. I mean, I value them uh, more in, like, one, two-year windows. But – I mean, I'm I'm not gonna at this point like put too much stock into his ACL. Um, yeah. There's but but there are other running backs if you didn't want to take him at 112, like Braylon Allen going to the Packers. AJ Dillon really hasn't shown that much. Aaron Jones is getting older. If you like Jordan Love, like there's other situations you could take too. But yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna hate on the fact that Jonathan Brooks has he has a lot of the traits you just want out of a running back right yeah, now. Yeah, 100. I agree, and I like Jonathan Brooks. I just think if if I heard that hey, he might not be fully healthy year one and it could be a bad year. I don't know if I want to throw my first-round pick on that type of If Listen, if he wasn't 20 years old, that would move the needle for me. If he was 22 even, 23, like he's not my 112. But him coming in as 20 years old and being like he's got a little bit of time to kind of like recoup from it, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I don't don't think I'd have him too much lower, but I think I would – the Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin, those would kind of be names that I would look at in the same tier as him, and I might lean those guys just being a wide receiver. Yeah, I might be overly excited here. It's fine. Fuck it. Hey. Fuck it. Fuck Aye. 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 <laughs> That's all we got for y'all. Those are our first-round mocks based on Chad Ruder's mock. You guys can go check that out, linked down below. And again, tomorrow I will be continuing on the trek through all of round two, so 201 through 212, my own individual video based on the mock draft that happened here. So subscribe to the channel to make sure you could check that one out tomorrow. Subscribe to their channels, and we will be Mike on Thursday. Oh, so that's another thing. We're going to play off of this mock draft, the 12 picks, and predict where these guys would be going in a startup draft. Bang. So yep. we'll be going 12 rooks deep, talking about, like, Caleb Williams. He's going to be a first-round startup pick now kind of thing. Malik Neighbors, where does he go off the board? That'll be Thursday's video. Yes, so sir. subscribe.